are Seraphim. Welcome to the latest episode of Generation Space, the podcast by Seraphim. Today, we'll be looking at how space tech can help transform the way we monitor, measure and report on ESG metrics and how Seraphim has created an ESG policy to allow us to invest in world-changing companies. The embedding of ESG requirements mean companies need to better understand everything from emissions to biodiversity, from water use to health and safety, and a whole lot more. Earth observation data is already incredibly detailed and improving all the time. This crucial data is required for companies to achieve their ESG goals. Let's find out more. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Sarah Shackleton, who is COO at Seraphim Space. Sarah has had a distinguished career in private equity and investment banking and played a key role in implementing our ESG investment tool. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Leah. Thanks for joining us. And I'm also joined by our co-founder and chief investment officer, James Brugger, who you've met before. Hi, Leah. Great to see you again. Hi, James. Thank you for joining me. So let's get straight to it. James, I'll start with you today. What ESG challenges do you believe the space tech sector is best able to address? Well, Leah, I think one of the, the really exciting things about space is the, the breadth of potential applicability of space tech across ESG. So let's look at each of those different areas in, in turn, starting with, uh, with, with environmental. So I think a great place to start with that is, is obviously climate change and the role that space is already playing in helping us to identify monitor and hopefully ultimately mitigate the challenge of, of climate change. It's because of space's ability to look at the Earth holistically that is really able to, to, to play a really profound role in the context of, uh, of climate change. The same is largely true for, for sustainability. If we carry on at current consumption rates, we're going to need by 2050 the equivalent of three Earth's worths of, uh, of resources to satiate all of our demands. Something's clearly got to change. Space can have a really important role to play in helping us all live a lot more sustainably. Drilling into that a bit more, if you think about food security, the role that space can play in having farm-to-table traceability of everything that, that we eat, of the role that it plays in, in helping to, to monitor illegal fishing and deforestation, helping to improve crop yields, uh, and ultimately feed the planet more sustainably. So I think you can see there that when it comes to environmental, that, that space really does have a very important role to play. But that's not to ne neglect either social or governance. So social, a good example of this is just thinking about connecting everyone that, that lives around the world. So today, still nearly almost half of the world's population can't reliably get online. Space holds the promise of being able to deliver ubiquitous uh, high-speed internet connectivity everywhere on the planet. Think about what that might mean in terms of the billions of people who would be able to, to communicate with each other, learn, transact, and uh, everything in between. If you think about the, the impact that, for example, China opening up from the 1980s onwards had in terms of the global economy. If you think about billions of people coming into, into the, the digital economy for the first time, that could have an enormous impact in terms of wealth creation and helping to, to reduce uh, inequality. And then lastly, if we think about governance, space has a really important role to play here in terms of holding governments to account and, of course, in terms of helping to support global security, giving the troubling times we all live in. James, that's fascinating stuff. I think most of this is probably related to Earth observation. Can you tell us a little bit more about how Earth observation technologies are influencing ESG reporting? Yes, so Earth observation is uh, essentially where you're capturing information about the Earth from above, and specifically in the context of space, 
from, from satellites. One of the really exciting things that's been happening in the space sector in, in recent years is you're seeing the launch of much, much larger constellations of, uh, of satellites that are capable of capturing this imagery. We're talking about hundreds or even thousands of satellites in, in, in a constellation. And that's really important because what it means is that for the first time, you're now able to capture really high fidelity information. I'm talking about information about every square meter on the planet. You're able to do that at planetary scale and you're able to capture that information potentially every few hours, so in close to, to, to real time. So what that means is that we're able to use these constellation of, of satellites to really monitor everything that's happening on Earth, understanding the pattern of life changes that are happening in minute detail, but all the way up to global scale. So that really is unlocking a huge range of, of different potential applications, both in the commercial domain and in the government domain. And in many instances, these applications do tie back very, very closely to uh, some of the environmental challenges which we've already been alluding to. Amazing. Thank you. What about some of our portfolio companies? Is there any portfolio companies that you particularly want to highlight? Sure. I think one of the things that we're most proud of at, at Seraphim is just how broadly our portfolio is supportive of, uh, of everything to do with ESG. But I think just a couple of good examples to, to, to call out specifically in the, in the context of some things we've been talking about with climate. ISI, for example, which has its own constellation of satellites that can image the Earth in dark and through clouds. Just some of the areas that, that that technology is being used include things like helping to monitor and combat illegal deforestation in the Amazon and also helping to provide a disaster relief when there's been a, a natural catastrophe. Another business, uh, Satellite Vu, which is putting up a, a constellation of satellites that can measure the thermal fingerprint of any building anywhere on Earth. Why is that important? Well, that data helps you understand where we're wasting most energy. So if you're thinking about a drive towards net zero, understanding where we can be more efficient in our use of energy is a critical component of that. And I think lastly, a business that we've recently invested into, Tyrannis, who are using a combination of drones and satellites to improve crop yields and enable more, more sustainable farming. Thank you, James. So let's go to you, Sarah. Let's discuss um, Seraphim's investment policy and ESG framework. What compelled the team to create this tool? So one of the key drivers behind this project was that we wanted to highlight the significant opportunities and positive impacts that our portfolio companies are having, as space tech has a big role to play in helping to address a number of the climate change, sustainability and security challenges we are facing today. In addition, we wanted to position ourselves as a value-add partner to our portfolio companies to help ready them for the inevitable ESG reporting and regulatory obligations that they will face. And finally, given the dual-use nature of space technology and its frequent use in military applications, we needed to be able to assess the uses of the products developed by portfolio companies before we invested in them. Thanks for explaining that, Sarah. Some people might not understand what dual use means. I don't know if James would like to explain that to the audience. Sure, happy to. I mean, very simply, dual use technology is any technology that has potential applicability both in the commercial domain and, and government domain. So in government domain doesn't necessarily mean that it's, it's just for defence. It can be in civil government, but that is the overarching definition. And I think naturally most people, when they think of dual use, do inevitably focus on, on the defence sector. So inherently, space tech tends to be, by its very nature, dual use, because as we've been talking about, if you think about some of these constellations of satellites, 
the value and insights that those satellites are, are generating are equally applicable to, to governments as they, as they are to commercial domains. So this is not unusual in, in many sectors. So things like the internet, for example, would be considered dual-use technology that was actually originally developed by governments and within, within the, def- the defence application. Uh, a great example in space is GPS technology. That was originally developed by militaries, but is now obviously something that we all rely on in our everyday lives in numerous different ways. So yes, I think it is fair to say that that space tends to be dual use, but I don't think that particularly distinguishes it from many other parts of the tech landscape, including telecommunications and computing and artificial intelligence, to name just a few. Sarah, what worked well when you started the tool? What challenges did you have? So the tool has allowed us to objectively look at all portfolio companies in a consistent way and assess them against key criteria relating to weapons and human rights risks. And this in turn allows us to potentially reject companies whose technology is used in offensive weapons or where human rights risks are deemed unacceptably high, particularly in certain countries where there might not be regulation that addresses some of these risks. I know that Seraphim aligned the current portfolio with the UN SDGs or Sustainable Development Goals. Did anything surprise you in in your findings? Yeah, we were really pleasantly surprised to find that the portfolio as a whole addresses all 17 of the SDGs. So we're very proud of the fact that, you know, we're helping to move that agenda forward with the portfolio. Every company addresses at least one and, you know, many of the companies are addressing multiple SDGs, which we're trying to increasingly report on and highlight to everybody. Yeah, that's great to hear. How can space tech companies incorporate ESG frameworks into their own strategies? Yes, I think there's a number of ways of doing this. So if we maybe use a satellite constellation company as as an example, some of the different ways that I I think some of our portfolio companies are looking to, to incorporate ESG frameworks into how they run their businesses. So top of the list is a fair use policy. So we've been talking about the dual use nature of space with significant power comes significant responsibility. And therefore, it's really important for our companies that they're clear and disciplined about who they will and won't sell their technology to and what those customers are going to be allowed to use that that technology for. I think equally, another really important one is actually our companies being accountable for, for ensuring that they're helping to enable sustainable space. What do I mean by that? Well, if you're thinking about putting a rocket or a satellite into orbit, you're at risk of polluting the space environment. And as we put up more and more things into orbit, that can become really quite an existential crisis for the sector and mankind as a whole. So having very clear plans for how you're going to keep space clean and ultimately deal with anything that you're putting into to orbit in terms of potential future debris is a really critical area. And I think equally, something that we're encouraging, based on our own experiences, all of our portfolio companies to, to, to look into, is what are the high impact use cases for their technology as they relate to ESG. As Sarah's been saying, every single one of our companies is mapping to at least one of the UN SDGs. And what we've typically found with our portfolio companies when they've focused on these use cases is there are just many, many more than they would have perhaps have appreciated before they've been through the exercise. Great. Thank you, James. Sarah, I'll go to you. I think the environmental parts of ESG is quite easy for a lot of our listeners to understand. But can you explain how important the social and governance part are, using some perhaps real world examples? Yeah, sure. So the world has obviously changed quite significantly in the last 12 months. 
And we've seen a real impact from space tech in addressing the challenges associated with the conflict in Ukraine. For instance, Starlink was able to provide internet access to the people of Ukraine at a time where they didn't have stable communications. And commercial Earth observation technology has also been, you know, recording some of the destruction that has taken place in Ukraine, you know, that could potentially be used in the future in war crimes cases, potentially. So these are some of the examples where it's governance related and, you know, socially related topics, which we're seeing a real impact from indeed some of the companies in our portfolio. Yeah, I think what we've discussed in another episode is how it's really important in catching bad actors. And I think Mark discussed that in um, episode two. James, what are some of the ESG related investment opportunities that you are personally excited about? I think I'd have to say things related to, to climate and sustainability. So there's been just a huge uptick in the amount of investment activity relating to all things climate and sustainability related in the last few years. In fact, against the backdrop of uh, the global recession and challenging macroeconomic climate, climate and sustainability investment has been one of the very few sectors of the broader tech landscape that has actually maintained positive trajectory over the last 12 months. So in the context of, of space tech and the, the confluence with, uh, with climate and sustainability, if you think about satellites having this global monitoring capability and uh, being able to, for example, monitor greenhouse gas emissions down to their source, so a particular factory or farm or oil well, for example, intuitively that data set is going to be really valuable and have a really important role to play in the drive towards net zero. Likewise, the, the carbon credit market, which is an area that I think we and many people are predicting is going to see very significant growth over the rest of this decade as companies develop their strategies for, for de delivering net zero. Having more transparency and accountability and trust around the generation of carbon credits is something that, that we believe is going to be very central to, to the growth of that market. And ultimately, space as a sole source of truth of what's happening down on Earth will logically have a really important role to play. Another area where, where we're seeing lots of interesting things at, at the moment are at the nexus between space data, climate change, and the insurance sector. So the insurance sector is being really challenged by the impact of climate change right now. So if you think about the increasing frequency and unpredictability of natural disasters, if you think about the forest fires in, in California as a great example of that, the entire insurance sector is really struggling to, to, to determine how to price risk in the context of, of the past being much less of a guide to the future for this insurance sector than it perhaps was. So space has a really important role to play in, in helping the insurance sector adjust to the fact that, that the world is becoming a more challenging environment for us all to live in. So that's an area that we're particularly interested in. So as we look a bit further out, some of the areas that, that we're expecting to be pretty active in, in in the next few years include things like next generation transport. So flying cars, drone deliveries, autonomous cars. Most people won't realize, but all of those really exciting areas ultimately rely on space-related technologies in order to, to, to become a reality. And, and as and when they do, they should have a really meaningful impact in terms of helping to, to drive greater sustainability. And if we look at even further than that, the developing of the in-space economy, so things being done off-world, holds huge promise in terms of helping the world become more sustainable. So what am I talking about? I'm talking about, for example, 
beginning to do manufacturing in space, having data centers operating in space, even potentially food production and, and energy generation all over the course of, uh, of this decade and, uh, and beyond, increasingly being industries that are migrating from our planet to, to, to off-world. So as and when that, that really does start to manifest itself, uh, I'd really hope that that's going to see a, a meaningful, positive impact from the space sector in terms of uh, driving a more sustainable future. Thank you, Jane. Some fascinating examples of how space tech is disrupting every industry on our planet. Sarah, let's go back to you and talk a little bit more about the tool. How has the tool been working in practice for, for Seraphim? Yeah, sure. The tool is working well so far. It's certainly highlighting potential opportunities that are available to portfolio companies and things that we'd like to highlight to them. And it's also outlining risks that we might not have picked up had we not been using the tool. This in turn has led us to reject deals, but also potentially to negotiate terms or mitigants ahead of doing the investment. We're also starting to track some metrics prior to investment, and we'll continue to do so on an annual basis as well. We hope that this will allow us over time to, to show improvement you know, across the portfolio. And we also think that measurement is probably the first step for each company to start thinking about some of these key topics and setting themselves targets, including in areas relating to emissions as we start to think about working towards net zero, and also other areas like diversity, which is obviously a, an interesting topic that people are, are talking about a lot at the moment. James, what are some of the most potent misconceptions about ESG and space tech that, that you've seen? Yeah, I think the obvious one is that there's there's perhaps a bit of a natural assumption to, to jump to, to negative connotations rather than positive. So there are potentially negative connotations associated with serving the government market and particularly, particularly defence uh, applications. Whereas I think from all of the work that, that, that we've done and, and what we see our portfolio companies doing, actually there is a massively more positive contribution to improving our world that space tech is, is making. So that's not to diminish from concerns that people have about the way in which space technology is used in, in, in defense and the way in which space can pollute the environment in terms of rocket launches and, uh, and, and debris in space. But that ultimately, if you're looking at the ledger, the, the positives very dramatically outweigh the negatives. Sarah, have you come across any common misconceptions? So I think what we often find is that ESG is often more focused on risks and mitigants to address those risks, which obviously have negative connotations. And we've always looked at this from a very positive angle and trying to measure things and the impacts that our portfolio makes to help address some of the challenges that we are seeing globally today. For instance, we've spoken about some of these already, but measuring illegal deforestation, illegal fishing, reducing carbon, carbon emissions are all positive impacts that our companies and the technologies that they develop can have. And we want to be able to highlight these and potentially show companies that these additional opportunities that are available to them and that they can help work and to address. And we think that that's often a common misconception that people have when they think about ESG. Thank you, Sarah. It's fascinating to hear more that it's so important to Seraphim to invest in these world-changing companies. You've been listening to Generation Space. If you'd like to find out more about any of the topics covered today, then check out our website. We are Seraphim.